Well, we've come to our final installment of our summer series, Tough Questions. We've gone through quite a list this summer, and I probably would say we will again sometime revisit this series because there were a lot of questions and we just didn't have time to get at all of them. Just so you remember some of the things that we covered this summer, we said, why does God allow evil to exist? How can I raise godly children? If I'm saved by grace, grace, does it matter how I live? How do I live as a Christian in a secular nation? Is euthanasia really bad? Who is my neighbor? How can I live without fear? What if a believer commits suicide? What if I'm not baptized? Do sexual relations really matter before marriage? Is everything in the Bible still relevant? And on this Labor Day weekend, where for over a hundred years now we have paused to remember the achievements of American workers and what we have been blessed with in this country, we ask the question as we close this series, are followers of Jesus supposed to be successful? Here's the question that was submitted in that regard. Why don't we hear more from our pastors about how the Bible can make us successful and give us purpose and make us feel okay about stuff going on in our lives? Seems like if we were more successful, we could support the church with bigger checks. The late American humorous columnist Irma Bombeck wrote the following about success. She says this, I can't remember the name of the man who spoke at my high school commencement, but I remember what he said. He told us the future of the world rested on our shoulders and he charged us with finding our destiny and fulfilling it. He went on to say that we alone must cure disease, hunger, and poverty throughout the world and above all, we must find success. I glanced over at Jack, the class deficient, who couldn't even find his parents after they parked the car, and I got an uneasy feeling. Not only that, but for those of us who planned to sleep in for a week after school got out, the speech was very depressing as it seemed to call for a lot of work for such a small class. After the speech, the entire group scrambled out of the auditorium in search of success as if it was the first item on a scavenger hunt. We had no idea what it was, where to look for it, how much it cost, whether it was in season or what it looked like, but from that day on, we got up early in the morning and pursued it till late at night. Sometimes we heard that another classmate had found it, but when we confronted him, he assured us that if he had, he would be happier. By our tenth reunion, no one had found it yet. The men struggled in their jobs and fertilized their lawns on weekends. And the woman ra women raised babies and polished the bottoms of Revere wear. It seemed that we were never rich enough, thin enough, or important enough to qualify for success. I've spent a lifetime trying to figure out who has success. You know, isn't that the American dream? Success. That if we work hard, if we are diligent, if we sacrifice, we can achieve great things. 
What does it take in order to do that? It takes self-denial. It takes hard work. It takes focus, total focus on a dream in order to be successful. In fact, the University of Chicago a number of years ago did a study for five years on the top leading people in artistry, in athletics, in business, and in medicine to find out what made them successful. People like Olympians and top performers and doctors and people on Wall Street were interviewed. And time and again, what was found was that it was drive, determination, and not natural talent that got them to the place where they were successful. What is success in terms of our world Someone who has risen above the other. Someone who is noticed for all that they've done. Someone who you can say and look at really denied themselves. And so we're asked that question today. Are believers and followers of Jesus supposed to be successful? And some find in Jesus' words just that very key to success. To say that Jesus was all about success. I want you to see just that snippet from the gospel this morning on the screens. And then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. You see, people look at those words of Jesus and say, Jesus really got it. It's all about self-denial, about giving everything up for that dream, about hard work and focusing. And so Jesus understands that. People say often in the church, we just need to love harder. We need to serve better. We need to be more like Jesus. We need to give up on ourselves and focus on the things that are important. In fact, if you were to Google this, there is a church called the Winner's Church. And if you would look at their website in the section that says about us, this is what it says. Welcome to Winner's Church, where winning is a lifestyle. We're a vibrant, multicultural community of believers committed to learning, sharing, and living out the teachings of Christ. Wherever you might be in your faith journey, we want you to know and understand that you were created to be a winner. Now, I'm not saying that the Bible is in any way against success. There were a lot of successful people in the Bible. But what the Bible is most concerned about, what Jesus tells us about success, is the ultimate focus behind what has been accomplished. Where is the heart in that success? Where is the mind in that? Is the pursuit simply of success something that we as Christians should do? We are all blessed by Jesus Christ, our Savior, given His grace. Is our lot in life then to be people who are to rise above all others and be stars in the eyes of the world? Well, look at that verse again and look at the other part that Jesus says that is so easily overlooked. Then He said to them all, whoever wants to be My disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. You see, taking up our cross is much different than success. You know, in Luke's Gospel, Jesus sent out the disciples two by two to go into the countryside to heal the sick, to preach the Gospel. And they came back and they returned with joy, Luke says. And this is what they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us 
in your name. You know what that was? That was success. They were excited about all the things that had happened. They had risen above the average. These things were happening and they were pumped on that success. But do you remember what Jesus' response to them was? He said, Do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And how are our names written in heaven? You see, it comes back to the cross that we are to take up daily. The cross that says following Jesus is more than just pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. It's not just love harder and serve better. It's not just being created to be a winner. Taking up your cross daily is standing in the shadow of Jesus' cross with the realization that any earthly achievement that I may gain cannot make me a success in God's eyes. The cross means that someone had to suffer and die for my sin, for what I have done, not that I could overcome them by my success. You know, there's two theologies that we talk about as we look at the Scriptures. Two theologies that are somewhat set against each other. We call them the theology of glory and the theology of the cross. The theology of glory is the one that says that success above all is important in our lives. But it's very subtle in its approach because it appeals to us no matter where we are. You see, it says that self-success is achieved from self-denial. And isn't that a good thing that we deny ourselves, that we empty ourselves? That we're doing something that's important in our lives as we follow Jesus. That self-denial brings self-satisfaction in our lives. It brings pride in our accomplishments. I've done it. I've earned it. I've accomplished it. I've worked hard. Isn't God happy with me? But the cross says like the words of that hymn, My riches gain, I count but loss, and pour contempt on all my pride. You see, the avenue of success, while it's not bad in our lives, is an avenue that seems very attractive to us in many ways. It seems like the thing that we should do, that we should work hard in areas of charity for the kingdom, in generosity, in writing big checks, in feeding the needy, in taking care of the needs of people. Isn't that what we're about? Isn't that the sign of a successful community of faith? Isn't that what we should be noticed in the community for all the good things that we've done? You see, that appeals. It's a message that we like to hear. It's a message that gives us that pride. But you see, the message of the cross is totally opposite of that. It's not a message that is attractive. It's a message, as Paul says in the epistle, is foolishness to those who think they are wise. A word that's used in Scripture to say it is a scandal. It is unattractive. Remember the words of Isaiah that talked about Jesus. Jesus wasn't a success. He was one from whom men hid their faces. 
There was nothing in him that was attractive or glorious. And if you were going to pattern your life on Jesus Christ to say this is how to be successful in our world, he would be in utter utter failure in terms of success. You see, there's the problem with success, the theology of glory and the theology of the cross. The theology of glory appeals to our sinful state, to what we inherited from our first parents. The original sin, the sin of pride. The sin that says, I don't need you, God. I can do it on my own. I can rise up to heaven and I can be successful. But the cross says, I am a failure. I am a sinner. I am broken and emptied, and all of my accomplishments need mean nothing. That's not an attractive message to anyone. To have to stand there and admit that we are not winners, we are not successful, we are broken, empty people. And nothing in our lives that we can bring with us could change that situation before an eternal judge and a heavenly God. Only the cross of Jesus Christ. Were Jesus the one who came down from heaven to us to reach us where we were? Because we couldn't rise even one inch off the ground towards heaven by our works, by anything that we would do. He came in order to rescue us, to give his life in an unsuccessful way, to be a scandal, to die on a cross, to take away our sin and to make us whole again. That is the theology of the cross. That is what we proclaim. I choose to know nothing but Christ crucified to proclaim that word to the world because it is only by the cross that there is salvation. Taking up our cross daily is what Luther would say where we drowned our old Adam in the waters of our baptism where we must rise every morning and look at all that we have accomplished in the world and say it is nothing. It means nothing. It has done nothing. The cross is my only salvation. All that I have is a gift. All of my accomplishments a gift. You see, the cross doesn't act in our lives to spur us on to do bigger and better things. The cross finds us waiting waiting on the grace of God which covers us every day, waiting for the rescue that comes because we cannot rescue ourselves, to see what God will do in our lives versus what I can do in my life. The cross is all fame and honor and glory go to Jesus and not to me. Again, the Bible does not speak against success in our lives. What it does ask is that we know for certain that our position and our salvation has nothing to do with the blessings that God has given us materially in our lives or the position that we've been allowed to occupy. That it simply comes from that cross of Jesus Christ, from His sacrifice, from His life being poured out in order that we might live, that we might be called His people, that we might serve knowing that our service is only in response to the incredible sacrifice that He first and foremost made for us. 
Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to your cross I cling. May that be ever said of us in our lives. Amen.